Okay, today we are doing Ayin Dalet Amabet and Ayin Hay, and the very top of Ayin Vav, and tomorrow we'll have a short Siyum, Yisrat Hashem. Um, okay, starting at the mission at the top of Ayin Dalet Amabet. Gat Shel Evan, okay, we're, we're basically dealing with today, which is, again, all these interesting coincidences, we're dealing with koshering utensils. Okay, and what you do with all sorts of utensils, very relevant for koshering for Pesach. So the first one we're going to start with is not exactly your typical, not something super relevant for most of us, I assume, which is a got, a wine press. If you have a wine press, okay, we're going to have wine presses obviously had, were made up of different materials. So the Mishnah is going to teach us a wine press made up of different materials, what the status of the, how we're supposed to kosher it, basically. If it was used, what's the issue? It was used for non-kosher wine, how we get the wine flavor out of it. So we're going to have different substances. A gat shel evan, if it's made up of stone, shes fatan. Okay, this mission is going to be all about where they lined it with a pitch, like a black, you know, tar-type substance. They would line it in order to make it smooth, right? Because I imagine it's made of stones, and it'll all seep through the stones, so they make this inner rim full of pitch. So if it was, if zavta ovei kochavim, basically it was used by a non-Jew, minagva vihitahora. You basically have to do what we call niguv, okay, which we're going to talk about later what this is. We're going to see that niguv usually means drying, but here it doesn't really mean drying. What it means is you put ashes and then water, okay, and then you wash it out with water. We're going to see exactly what the order is, how many times you do it. We'll see that later. So you have to do this niguv, and then it's tehora. Vishal eitz, okay, the assumption is, okay, Rashi says eitz has, because it's made of wood, it needs zefet tuva, Rashi says, meaning it needs a thicker layer of this pitch, which means it's going to absorb more. The reed says, no, it's just that wood has its own natural dampness to it, and because of that, it absorbs more of the stuff, and therefore it needs a higher level. So Rebbe Amar Yinagev, Rebbe thinks it's the same thing, but Chachamim Omrim Yiklofet zefet. You have to actually peel the tar, the, the pitch off of it. Vishacheres, what if it's made of earthen, earthenware? Even peeling off the pitch is not going to help it. Okay? Klicheres, you're going to have an issue with. I'm a Rava. So now the Gemara starts off, and Rava says we're going to have two readings of Rava, which are going to come to opposite conclusions. Not clear which one he said. Okay? Only if it has pitch in the Gachel Evan. We're talking about the first case. And you need to do Niguv. But if you didn't do the pitch and you just, it was a got that was used for the wine press, they were stamping on the grapes inside of it, then low. Then you wouldn't need to do niguv. What would you need? Hadacha is the lower level, which is just wiping it out, making sure it's clean. Okay, making sure there's nothing in it, that would be enough. So the Gemara says, pshita. Obviously that's the case, because zavtatnan, because it says, only if it has this pitch. So they say, You might have thought that the mission was talking not only about putting if it has pitch in it, but even if it didn't have the pitch in it. Since most of the wine presses had this pitch inside of it, that's why it gave the case of pitch, but what it really meant is any wine press. So therefore, Rabbi says, I needed to teach you that so that you wouldn't think that that was the case. The Mishra says zafta, means only zafta, and if you just had, had trodden on the grapes in there without having any pitch, it would be mutar. You would just do hadacha, and that would be enough. But Ika to Amre, that Rava said something else. Amarava, davka zafta, avaldarachba lo sagele beniguf. Now here, the zafta, the last time we had zafta avaldarachba without the zafet, now we're going to say, what if you put pitch in, 
and the non-Jew put the pitch in, and then after he put the pitch on it, then he trampled, he trotted on the grapes. So now you would say, after the pitch was already put on, then lo then it's not enough to do niguf. Now this is going in the opposite direction of what Rabbi is saying, that once you, if you darachba, then you would need a higher level, right? But again, the darachba here is not, the first case was without the pitch, this time it's pitch plus, mm-hmm. plus uh, trotting on the gra- treading on the grapes, then lo okay? Then it's not enough to do niguf, you'd need something more than that. So then they say, Pshita, Zavtachna. Wouldn't this be obvious? Because it said Zavta, which would imply only a Zavta Kochavim, but not if he treaded on the grapes. So, Mao Detema Huadin Dafilu Darachba. You might have thought, no, it's really this is the same as what we did before. You might have thought it's the same, even if he treaded on the grapes. Vaidikatani Zavta, Orcha Demiltikatani. And he just said, you know, it's just because that was the typical way they did it. Kamash Malan. Dafta Zavta, Val Darachba, Losagele Benigov. Okay? Therefore, it comes to teach you that Zavta. And darachba would not be enough to just do nikuv. And now we're going to have a case like that. Somebody came before Rabichia. Okay, bring me someone who can be mitahir my um, my wine press, meaning a non-Jew had used it, and I want to make it usable. Amarle Larav, okay, this is good. You get to see Rav at an earlier stage of life. We always see Rav, he was this great, respectable rabbi. Here, Rabbi Chia is his rabbi, and Rabbi Chia was actually his uncle also. And Rabbi Chia said to him, Rav, zil bahade, okay, go out and take care of it. Okay, like he was his messenger boy, sort of, right? Go kosher his wine press. And he says here, you can see why he treated him. That's why you see Rav in a bit of a different light. Bechaze, and make sure, delomat sabachat alai bey midrashat. They don't come scream to me in the bey midrashat that you didn't do a good job. Okay? Um, it's also, right, apropos, I said at the beginning of this, this whole daf is all about costuring. Right? You can imagine the kid send, you know, the mother sends the kid to go costure the kalim, you know, go take care of my stuff, just make sure you do it well. So anyway, he says, make sure they don't yell at me in the Beit Midrash. So, Azal Chazir de Shia, he saw that it was Shia Tfei, it was very, very smooth. Amar, Havadai Beniguf Sahila, right? If, if the, what's the issue? The pitch is very smooth, and the assumption is there's no cracks, and the wine's not seeping into anywhere. So he saw it was very smooth. He said, great, niguv will be enough. As he was doing the job, Chaza, he saw pila mitote, there was a crack underneath him. And he saw that it was full of wine underneath there. Amar, halo Now I see that it's not enough to do niguv, but I actually have to, and now we see what you have to do. I actually have to peel off all the pitch so that I can get underneath and clean out the wine underneath. And then he realizes, right, because he didn't realize this earlier, and this is what, Chavivi is his term that he calls his uncle, Rabbi Chia, and this is what he said to me, and this must be why, because he was worried, maybe there was a crack and why I was collecting underneath, and he said, do a good job, make sure to do it thoroughly. Okay, so he thought originally it would be enough just to do the niguv, and then he realized that it wasn't. Tanu Rabbanan. And now we're going to have another brighta. And here we're talking about, even though it doesn't say so, the assumption is we're talking about earthenware kelim kle cheres. So you have a gat made of cheres without the zefet, okay, without the pitch on it. Hagat, and now we're going to see in the kelim that go along with the wine press, hamachat, which is a ladle, and hamashpech, a funnel, shalavdeh kochavim. Rebbe matir beniguv, v'chachamim osrim. Rebbe says all these kelim made of earthenware, it's enough to do niguv, remember, which is the mayim mixed with the ashes. V'chachamim osrim. 
But he agrees in a case of a kankan, a jug. A jug of an avay kochavim is going to be asurim. It's not enough to do niguf. Why is the kankan more chamor than the wine press um, and all the kelim? Okay, or likiyum it should be. Right? When you put it in a jug, you intend it to stay there for a long time. So because of that, the flavors get absorbed longer, and therefore niguv is not enough. But when you do it in the wine press, right, the assumption is you, it's in there, and then you take it out. And all the kelim that are used, you use very temporarily. And therefore, we're going to be more machmir by the kankani. If they're made of eitz or evan, then you have to, right, this is the continuation of the brayta we're bringing here. If they're made of wood or evan, then yinagev. Okay, you just have to do the niguv. And if there was pitch on them, asurim. So now they say, what do you mean? V'hatnan, it said in our Mishnah, gat shel evan shesfatao ve'kochavim minagva v'hitohora. Right, it says, niguv is enough for the evan. And here it says, shel eitz ve'evan yinagev, but if it had the zephet on it, niguv wouldn't be enough. So, what do we say? Matnitin delo darachba, brayta de darachba. There's a difference between whether they already treaded on the grapes in there or they didn't. So if they treaded on the grapes, then niguv's not going to be enough. But if they didn't tread on the grapes, then niguv will be enough. Um, okay, so our Mishnah is delo darachba and the brayta is darachba. Amar going back now to the beginning part of the brayta. Hagat v'amachatz v'amashpech shalovdei kochavim. Rebi matir b'niguv v'chachamim osrim. So again, we're going to question this with our Mishnah. What did our Mishnah say? And Rebbe says, it's mutar b'niguv. So how could that be? There's a very easy answer. In other words, our Mishnah only brought shitach hachamim, which said that it's asurim. Whereas Rebbe, who is matir, just doesn't appear in the Mishnah. Darish Rava, Nava, if you have a tank filled with wine, Artacho, you have to scald it, okay, with hot water, okay? Rava, ki have a mishadar golfe la harpanya, when he would send empty bottles to harpanya to be used to fill up with wine, and these were ones used by, um, oh, right, these are ones that were his own, okay, so he sends them to harpanya, but he was worried that what, they might come, non-Jews might come in contact with them, so what would he do? Sachif pumayu, he would turn them upside down, we saw this before in the beginning of the Masechet, where they were, it was like a double seal, where you would put it in upside down so that the opening is at the bottom of the bag, and then you would seal up the bag. There's a few different interpretations exactly what the second stage is. But let's just assume it's this case, where you turn it upside down and seal the bag, and there you have a double seal, and then you don't have to worry that they're going to use it. Kasavar koldavar he held. Why did he see so machmir? Because he held koldavar shemachniso lekiyum afilu lefisha'a gazru barabanan. If you remember, we said before that in the jug, since they would use it for a long period of time, they would store their wine there. There was a concern, right? It was harder to to get out the to kosher them. So basically, even though he was sending these, right? He was sending these empty kelim. He was worried that maybe Ananju would use them. Obviously, he was only going to use them temporarily. So you might say it would be fine because it was only used temporarily. But since it's a clee that could potentially be used for a long time, therefore, even temporarily, they're not going to allow it. And that's why he was machmir on this to kind of seal it up in this double way so that they shouldn't get into it. Now we're going to learn how they did nikuf. Ba mem Rava mar 
Rabbi Barchana Amar Be'efer. One said with water, and one said with ashes. Rabbi Amar Be'mayim, Be'mayim V'lo Be'efer. Rabbi Barchana Amar Be'efer, Be'efer V'lo Be'mayim. And it was obvious to them that you used both. So they're saying, how could one have said Mayim, and he meant Mayim and not Efer, and the other one said Efer, and he meant Efer and not Mayim? Ella. What? What Mayim and Efer don't mix even. They don't mix, but the idea being is that you put the afer and then you wash it out with water. That's the, that's the idea of the water and the afer. So now they explain that when Rav said ma'im, Rav amar b'ma'im, v'huadin la'efer. Rav abarachan amar la'efer, v'huadin la'ma'im. And as each one meant ma'im and afer. Why did one say afer and one said ma'im? V'lopligi ha'biritivta ha'biyabashta. When, when Rav said ma'im, he was talking about where it was dry, and what he was referring to was that you first have to put ma'im in. If the wine press is dry, then first you put water, get it wet, then you put the ashes in, and then you wash it out with water at the end. When Rabbi Barbachana said la'efer, he was talking about it was already wet. So all you need to do is first put the efer in, and then put the water in and wash it out. Itmar be rav, mishmei de rav, it was said in the house of rav in the name of rav. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, itmar is... We're going to see a machloket. Okay, Itmar is always an intro, or almost always, not always. Often, it's an intro to a machloket and Moraim. So now we're going to see a machloket between Rav and Shmuel. So, Be Rav Mishmei de Rav Amre, in the house of Rav, they said from, in the name of Rav, Tarte Tzlat. Okay, it's either two or three, meaning there's two or three stages to this. Depends on whether it's dry or whether it's wet. If it's wet already, then there's two stages. Efer, then Mayim. You wash it out with Mayim. If there's, if it's dry, then you do three stages. Mayim, Efer, Mayim. Shmuel Amar Tzlat Arba. He says, no, it's three or four. Okay, because you have to do, um, right, if it's wet, you put Efer Mayim Ve'efer. Okay, you have to do actually, you have to, you, according to him, we're going to see, but if it's wet, you do ashes, water, ashes. If it's dry, you do water, ashes, water, ashes. So he adds an extra, an extra stage to it. And you notice he ends in, Ashes, which seems strange, because why would you leave it with ashes? So hold off. Uh, so that's the way they learned this machloket in surah. Okay, so one second. When I said the tarte tlat, I think I said it wrong. Tarte tlat in the first case works like this. If it's wet, then you do... No, it's actually the same. No, it is right. You were right. It's I was dry. right. Okay, it's a for mine. So now when he says, Tlata, okay, when Rav says, uh, uh, sorry, Barbara Rav, Tlata Arba'a, what he means is, um, three steps if it starts dry, water, ashes. Right, if it starts dry, then it's, then it's water, ashes, water, and if it starts wet, then it's ashes, ashes water, water, ashes, water. In other words, according to I this mean, version, end with water. right, according to him, you end with water, okay, and Shmuel Amar Dalid Chamisha, okay, Arba'ava Chamisha, according to Surah, everyone agrees that there, have to be, there has to be two stages of the ashes, okay, so Dalid Chamisha would be, if it's dry, then, no, let's water, do the Dalid, if it's, if it's wet, then ashes, water, ashes, water. No, sorry, I said it wrong. If it's wet, then it's ashes, water, ashes, water. And if it's dry, no, but Shmuel is supposed to end with... Oh, right, sorry, 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 you're right. 
Rav ends with ashes and Shmuel ends with water. Okay, it's the same amount of stages, just Rav doesn't talk about the water at the end. So then they say there's really no machloka between them. In other words, they all agree. Obviously, Rav is going to agree that you wash out the ashes in the end with water. It's just that he doesn't view that as an integral part of the process. It's just, it's like, you know, if you polish your silver, right, you're obviously going to remove the silver polish, but. It's like Rav saying that's not part of the halachic aspect of it, right? If you would say, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying polishing is kashring. I'm just saying, right? And it's, obviously, you're going to do, you're going to wash out the ashes because who's going to put wine in ashes? So Rav just doesn't view that as part of the kashring process. So he doesn't mention it. Where Shmuel mentions it as part of the process. Okay, so there's a machloket between sura and... Uh, doesn't say actually who, where the first one was. Oh, right. But Pumbadita, right, sorry. Sura was the first and Pumbadita was the second. There's a machloket about whether you need two stages of ashes or only one. Okay, and then it's just debate, Rabbi Shmuel. It's just about whether you, you have to mention the Mayim and the process, but they really all agree about what the process is. They asked Rabbi Abau a question. We're now going to get into all different types of baskets and things and utensils. If you have these wicker nets that the non Jews used, my, what do we do with them? How do we caution them? Let's learn it from this bright time. Okay, now they're going to use an issue of tu- a case of tuma to teach it. So they say, if your, your wine press and your or your olive press was tamei, and you wanted to make everything done bitahara. Okay, remember, there were people who did everything, kodesh, right? Plus you had all the koanim who had to do stuff bitahara. Hadapin, okay, these are the planks that they would use to push down the stuff, the, to press on them. Hadashim, the, the, troughs? Troughs? How do you, right, treading basins, okay. Halulavin, which are the brooms, because they make them out of lulav stuff, the brooms that they would use to clean them. Midichan, okay, you just have to clean them, you have to wipe them down, okay, clean them out. Which are the baskets, okay? This is just like the wicker baskets that we asked about. So now we're going to see exactly what they say about them. If they're made of nitzarim, palm leaves, or shobitzbutz, which is hemp, minagvan. Then you have to do niguf with the efer and the ma'im. If they're made of bulrush, or reeds, you have to leave them for 12 months. You have to leave them till the next season of the wine press or the or the olive press. So they say, Rashbag, Tanakama, they would do it once a year. So it's the same thing basically as saying wait twelve months. So they say What the difference between them would be that according to Rashbag, it I was thinking this sounds like um when we wait between milk and meat, so the Gemara says misuda suda. From meal to meal. Now, the, later they explain, oh, that's six hours, or like six hours, and that's how we get all different opinions, and maybe that's where the three comes up. Maybe people, you know, would eat another meal after three hours at some point, much later in time. But anyway, suda the sudat could be a little flexible. If you say six hours, it's six hours on the clock. So if you say yubechodesh, you mean exactly yubechodesh. If you say from season to season, you could have a season where everything grew early, or things grew late. Things ripen late, so it could be not exactly twelve months, and that's the difference. The halacha between them. So don't olives have three seasons, like three seasons of the masik? Yeah, so I'm, I was oh, also actually too. surprised that all these things only have one season, according to this. Yeah, I don't know the answer to that. I also would have thought that there's more than one season. Although I don't know, I have an olive tree; they really grow once a year. Mm-hmm. 
So I guess Lemons it does make sense. Cycles, right, certain so trees grapes, go through cycles. Or I have grapes, or grapes are once a year. Once a year. Okay, so there you have it. Okay. Right. After we finish the deaf, I'm going to spend time learning all the agricultural <laughs> information so I can <laughs> understand all these things better. Okay. Um, Rabbi Yossi Omer, miyad. Okay, so Rabbi Yossi comes in and says, listen, it doesn't always work for everybody. They don't always want to wait 12 months. So, or the next season. So what can you do? Mag'ilam birotchin. Okay, you can do Hagala. Okay, now we're finally getting into it, right? Take it to the Ravanun and do Hagala. Okay, boil them in boiling water. Ocholtam b'mezetim. Or scald them with hot um, water that, was, that the olives were cooked in. Okay, you can scald them. I assume that just means pouring boiling water on top of them. Rashbag mishum Rabbi Yossi Omer. Rashbag says in the name of Rabbi Yossi that minichan tachat sinor shememab mekachin. You don't even need hot water. You can just put them under a pipe where the water is streaming out. Obim ayan shememab rodfin, which actually makes sense because it wasn't done. With, nothing was heated in there, so it makes sense. You just need a strong flow. So either put them in the river where the the water is flowing through, or somehow in a place where the river flows through it. Um, okay, you have to do that. Uh, I thought it says Ona here. No. Oh, so that's how we read it. Okay. Bekama. And for how long? Ona. For an Ona. We're going to see in a minute what an Ona is. Okay. Kederach Shamrubi. Before we get to that. Kederach Shamrubi Yenesech. Kachamru B'Tarot. Just like these halachot were said about Yenesech, they're also for Tarot. So now the Gemara says... Wait, klapelaya, it's the exact opposite. What do you mean? These halachot were said about taharot. So they say, betaharot kamina. We were talking about taharot, and we wanted to learn from there to yenesa. So they say, oh, no, 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 you mix up the line. Ela kederach shamru betaharot, kachamru biyenesech. Okay, just like these halachot apply by taharot, the, the source that we brought, they're also applied biyenesech. Kama ona, now we have to figure out, so how long is it ona that you're supposed to leave this water streaming, right? All I can think about is the water bill going, you know, if you put it under this pipe. How long? I'm a Rabbi Chia Bar Abba, right? You must have thought, I don't know what you thought, but Ona sounds like a season, right? Not a season, not to worry. Um, I'm a Rabbi Chia Bar Abba, I'm a Rabbi Yochanan, O Yom, O Laila. And as in Ona, we, this comes up in Nido, we'll get there soon. Okay, and Ona is, a, is a generally a 12-hour period, okay? Either the day or the night, okay? So this is interesting. Rabbi Chana Sheina, Va'amrila, Rabbi Chana Bar Sheina, whatever his name was, Said in the name Amar Rabbi Yochanan, Amar Rabbi Yochanan, and the name of Rabbi Yochanan said in the name of Rabbi Yochanan, Chatsi Yom Chatsi Laila, half a day and half a night. So what's the difference between saying either a day, a night, or half a day or half a night? Amar Rav Shmuel Bar Yitzchak Velo Pligi. Habit Kufat Nisan Betishrei, Habit Kufat Tammuz Vetevet. Betkufat Nisan Betishrei, the days and the nights are equal. Right? Those are the seasons where the day it's around sunrise is six and sunset is six. But in Tkufat Tammuz and uh, Tevet, in the middle of the winter, the middle of the summer, the days are very long or the days are very short. So in that, those times, you need a half a day and a half a night. Basically, they're trying to say you need 12 hours, okay? A 12-hour period, which would cover, you know, half a day or half a night. Obviously, I don't, think they mean, I, mean, I don't think they mean it has to be during the daytime or during the nighttime. It could just be as long as it's 12 hours. Um, it's another good example where they don't exactly talk in terms of hours. Like, we would never speak this way, right? We'd say hours. We'd give an hour a time. Right? In those days, they didn't work like that. They described things in actions, when people would eat, when this, right? They, wasn't, they weren't time-focused like we are. Were they less pressured? <laughs> they, I'm sure they were less pressured, although I don't know. They had a lot of things to do. 
Think about that woman who, right, if she has a shivcha, she's allowed to do less jobs, right? Each, however many shivchot, it lowers her, her job thing, you know, how busy they were. Amar Rabbi Yehuda. Hane Ravke Okay, now we're going to talk about these straining bags. Okay, this was, they would put the wine, or the grapes, or actually it was probably, the, it was the olives. You put the olives in this basket, and then you would press down on it. What was the purpose of the basket? So the olives don't go scattering all over the place. So the, these straining bags that they use, right, they would obviously have holes so that the stuff can come, the oil can come out of them. Dimazie, now they were made of all different substances. If they were made of hair, midichan, then you just have to do hadacha because the assumption is hair doesn't absorb very much. Da'amra, if it was made of wool, minagvan, you have to do the niguv with the water and the ashes. Dekitna, if it's made of flax, miyashnan, you have to leave it, more is going to get absorbed in flax, you're going to have to leave it for a whole season. And if there's knots in them, now there's a big debate about what this, which case this is referring to. Okay, some people say it's not talking about the last case of the flax because once you leave it for twenty for a whole year, you don't need to worry about the knots. It's gonna it's gonna be fine. But it could be one of the earlier stages. If there's knots in there, you have to undo the knots because otherwise, if you're trying to wash it or clean it out, the the water, you know, the stuff is not going to get into where the knots are. Hane dikule v'chalata daramai. Okay, baskets and strainers of the aramaim, okay, of the non-Jews. Dechite v'chavle ditsure, if they're plated with palm strips. Midichan, you have to do adacha. Ditsavta, again, there's a few different ways of reading it. I'll go with Rashi, who says this is a reed. If it's made of reed, linagvan, you have to do niguv, okay, which is the water and the ashes. Dikitnaf, it's flax, miyashnan. Okay, you have to wait a whole season. Vi'itbu, you could see how this flax was considered very absorbent, and therefore it was really an issue. Vi'itbu, kitre, shari. And again, if it has knots, you have to untie them. Shari lehu. Itbar. Ama aretz, now we're going to have another machloket. Ama aretz, shehoshit yado legat, v'naga ve'eshkolot. If an ama aretz, now we keep flipping between tuma and yenesech. So now we have an Ama'aretz who's not makpin on Tumantara. He puts his hand into the, the wine press. And he touches grapes that are in there, a, bu- a bunch of grapes that are in there. Rebbe v'Rabichia. So there's a machloket Rebbe and Rabichia. By the way, Itmar is generally an introduction to a machloket and Moraim. In this case, it happens to be Tanaim, which is rare. Rebbe v'Rabichia. Chanamar eshkol v'chos v'votav tmeim. So that eshkol that he touched, the grapes, are obviously tmeim. And anything right directly around those grapes is kula, But everything else in the gut, what's the assumption that's in the gut right now? Grapes and wine. So any other wine that's only what's directly around those eshkolot is going to be tamei. It's a little tricky how you're going to figure that out if there's liquid in there. But it's obvious that there must be some liquid in there. They're going to basically say whatever's in that close vicinity, proximity is problematic. Anything around there. I'm guessing that the wine you're going to have an issue with, but if there's other clusters of grapes, and the issue is that the wine, the liquid in there, doesn't connect all the other bunches of grapes that are in the wine press to the fact that they're to all the in, in the wine liquid doesn't mean that they're the right. no, Well, they might be the tumah, but nobody touched them. Tumah doesn't transfer that way. Food that it touches other food... Liquid. No. Oh, okay. That's the ability to become Tame. But you can't say that the that the the truth is there's issues about mashkin could actually cause things to be Tame, but food itself doesn't by touching other food doesn't make it Tame. Okay? So therefore we're gonna say whatever 
he touched, and whatever's right near there is going to be Tameh, but Kol Hagat Kula Torah. But the rest of it is, it's not actually Kol Hagat Kula, it means the rest of the God is Tahor. So then they quit. Um, okay, wait. So the next answer, sorry. Bechanamar. Uh, and the other one said, Okay, they look like Naomi. They said, what do you mean? Everything's touching. Everything's connected. Everything's to me. If you're going to say that, we're going to bring you a, a problem. There's a mission that seems to go against this. A sheret that's in an uh, uh, oil press is only mitameh what it touches. But im hayam mashkin mahalech, but if there were liquids in there, then exactly as they always said, the liquids are going to transfer the tumah to everything and the entire <laughs> thing, hakol tameh. Okay, the entire olive press is going to be tameh, everything in there. So why is that any different than the wine press? That's why obviously they're talking about where there's some wine in there. So if there wasn't wine, then it wouldn't be com- com- comparable to this case. So they answer that there's a difference between the olive press and the wine press, and the eshkolot and the wine press. Why? Hatam lo mifsak midi. When you have olives in an olive press, it's just the olives and the oil that's there. And there's nothing separating between them. But hacham mifsake eshkolot. With the grapes, you have these big bunches of grapes. And they create this separation between that bundle, that bar- you know, all the... Let's say you, you have a wine press and it's got all these big eshkolot of grapes. So they're all considered separate. And that's because they, they kind of divide between those and the others. And therefore, even though there's liquid that connects them all, there's these bunches of grapes that make this separation. And therefore, again, you have to think about it. If the guy's touching it, we're worried about what he's touching. If there's other grapes in between him and the other stuff, he's obviously not getting to other things. So therefore, he holds that it's tahor. Again, the other opinion says it's tameh. Um, the rabbis taught Rabbi Yirmiya, or, or they gave up or to his son. In fact, Paskin, that the rest of the God is Tahor. Okay, new Mishnah, now we're really getting to Hachsharat Kelim and all the halachot of Hachsharat Kelim, where it comes from, from the Torah. Very interesting, nice way to, and Sechad, and nice, right? You'd think we're dealing with Avodah Zarah. They haven't mentioned this really at all, which is from the Torah, it talks about, right, what happened. We had a battle with the Midianim. We conquered the Midianim in Bamibar Lamed Aleph. And then it says, I'll read you the Psukim. The obvious, we, we, you know, we had a battle with them and we took their stuff, okay? So when we took their stuff, what do we do with all their kelim? So the Torah tells you, okay, tells us, if you look in the Torah where these psukim are here, and by Mibra Lamed Aleph, Kafbet, and Kaf Gimel, Achet hazahav et ha-kesef et ha-nechoshet et ha-brazel et ha-bedil et ha-ofaret. What's the common denominator between all these things? They're all metals, okay? Right? Silver, bronze, gold, um, brazel, iron, bedil, uh, well, farit is lead, bedil is, what? Tin, thank you. Tin. Okay, so all these things are metal implements. Remember that. And then it says about them, Kol davar ba'esh ta'aviru ba'esh. Anything that goes through fire, right, that was was cooked with fire, you have to put through fire. V'tahir. And then it will become tahor. Okay, we're going to notice why did I have to say the word v'tahir here? Ach b'meini da'yitchata. Okay, strange words here. Why does it say ach, but... Okay, but it doesn't seem to belong here. B'meinida yitchata. What is meinida? Okay, and pure, it will be purified in yitchata. V'cholosher lo yavo ba'esh, tabiru ba'mayim. And anything that didn't go in the fire, then you put through water. 
Okay? So notice, and this is why there's a lot of confusion I find always between mikvah, right, that you need to tovel kalim, and kashring. Because really, they're all mushed up in the same pasuk. And that's why there's often a lot of confusion about it. Because it says here, right, it talks about purification, yitchatam, which is not the same as kashering. Right? So there's a bit of a, right, there's two different things, but yet they're all combined in this pasuk, and we're going to see how they learn them. Halokech, so we'll start with the Mishnah. Halokech klei tashmish mina avdei kochavim. If you take klei tashmish, something from an avdei kochavim, et shedarko lahatbil, yadbil. If it's generally known to be tovold, then you tovel it. This is a very strange line. What does this mean? Et shedarko lahatbil, yadbil. In other words, doesn't every clean need, need tefillah? Okay, so there's a... There's a few different interpretations about how to understand what this is talking about. Darkola hatbil yatbil. Right, Rashi says here, Kilomar klei hara oily taher betvila ain sarich tikun achir. Kigon klei shetashmisho yidet sonein yatbil vetu lot sarich. He says, what this is talking about, it's talking about a clee that was used with cold and it needs nothing else but to rinse it. And it's not actually talking about tvila. The way we call toveling something, right? To basically take something that was, you know, either, usually for us, it's something that was, wasn't belonging to a non-Jew, but something that a non-Jew created, um, you know, that was made in China or something like that. Um, so that's one interpretation. Um, there's another interpretation that it really means, um, right, that it really means tefillah b'mikvah. And it's not talking about hechsher, it's just talking about tefillah. Okay? So there's a bit of a debate about how to understand this tefillah line. Lahag'il um, yag'il. Okay? If it needs hagala, if it needs, right, it was stuff that was boiled in it, then you boil it in water to kosher it. Lilabain ba'or, yilabain ba'or. If it was something that was, that you cooked on the fire, on an open fire, then you have to, you know, blowtorch it, basically. Hashipud v'ha'askala, now they're giving you two examples, a shipud, right? What's a shipud? It's a shipud. It's a, a spit that we use on the fire directly. And an askala is a grill, like a grate that you put on the, on the fire. Those milabnam be'or. And hasakin, we're worried about a sakin that it has fats left on it from the meat of the nanchu, shafa v'hitorah. You polish it and, it's, and then that gets off all the stuff and then it's to hold. Okay, Tana, we're going to quote a brighter now. Okay, and now they're pointing out that in case you thought that because it said what needs tefillah needs tefillah, what needs hagalah, and what's the problem with saying that tefillah in the, in the Mishnah means um, mikvah? The problem is it sounds like only certain things need mikvah and other things need libun and other things need hagalah, and once you kosher it, you don't need mikvah. So they're pointing out here that you know, either which way you read the Mishnah, either you read the Mishnah that it was you met mikvah, and then they're just pointing out, by the way, just be clear that everything here needs tefillah, don't read the Mishnah the wrong way, or it's telling you, yes, this was talking all about koshering only, and the tefillah was like Rashi said, where it was something that was used in cold, and you just have to wash it, make sure it's clean, um, but in addition, all these things need tefillah barbaim se'ah, which is a classic, you know, the vishi or for a mikvah that we always talk about. Minahanimile, where do we get this from that it needs tefillah and a mikvah? Amarava, damakra, kol davar sheyavo ba'esh, taviru ba'esh, vitaher. Why does it say the word vitaher? Hosifacha katuv tara acheret. The word vitaher comes to teach it also needs a purification, which is mikvah, right? Usually purification means in a mikvah. Tani bar kapara. 
Mitoch shene, again, now Bar Parkapar is going to also darshan the Pesukim here. Mitoch shene amar nida. Since it says, now here they're understanding nida, not connected to a nida, but it says, b'mei nida yitchata. What does that sound like to you? It sounds like the mechatat of the paraduma. So if it sounds like the mechatat of the paraduma, since it says, b'mei nida shomei ani it sounds like, just like the mechatat, you're going to need to sprinkle two times on it on the third day and on the seventh day, just like you do with the paraduma. Tamud lamar, ach. Therefore comes the word, but, what do we always say when we have ach? Chilek. It distinguishes it. It says, oh no, this is different from that. Okay? And that obviously we all know it only needs dunking once. So why does it say menida? To teach you, since everyone knows a woman for a mikvah needs arba'im se'ah, therefore it teaches you it's the same shi'or as the mayim of a nida. Why do you need both v'tahir and both and menida? You might have thought it would be enough um, even in less than 40 se'av a mikvah. As long as you dunk it in a small amount of water, it'll be sufficient. Therefore, if they had said b'menida, what might you have thought? You would have thought you would need to wait till the sun sets like an idah. Now, this is interesting. An idah actually doesn't have harev shemesh. I assume they just mean like most most people who are tamay, if you recall this, all tamayim basically go to the mikvah in the morning and they have to wait till evening to be tahor. So you might have thought, that's what they're saying, you might have thought this would apply by mikvah. You tovel a kli and you have to wait till that evening to be able to use it. And therefore, katabrachmana vitaher la alter. It teaches you not, it's yes, me nida, but vitaher means immediately. Anida is the only exception. She tovels at night and she's immediately tohora. So it's interesting they use that like anida. What they really mean here is like other anashim tmeim. Amarav Nachman, Amarav Ravua. Afilu kelim chadashim b'mashma. Okay, we all know this, but they're saying, you would, right? Why do we know this? Because the Gemara says so. Even kelim chadashim need a mikvah, right? You might have thought it's only a kli that was used by a non-Jew needs this purification process. What if it was a brand new kli, the non-Jew never used it? Why, how do we know that you need to tovel it? If you have an old kli and you do libun, right, you blowtorch it, it's as if it's brand new because it's as if it was never used because you basically destroyed anything that was in it and yet it still needs a mikvah. Well, if that's the case, then it must be even new kelim need a mikvah because it proves to you, right, this is again, they're, they're working on the assumption that you might be confused between these two things and they're separating them. They're saying, no, this proves to you that mikvah has nothing to do with kashrus and nothing to do with new kelim, old kelim, right? It's anything. Right? And even so, even though Liban or Kadashim, they still need tefillah. Now they're going all to the other extreme. If you're going to say that even new kelim need a mikvah, then maybe you'll say that even your scissors that you use to cut the clothing with, when you're making clothing, you use to cut the cloth, maybe those scissors would also need tefillah because it's any kli. So any kli, you're going to say basically it's something to do with food related. Is there something in it that's food that you want to get rid of? No, it's just anything. Then maybe any kli should need tefillah. Okay, thankfully not, right? The whole parsha was about food-related items, and therefore we're not going to extend it past it. We're only talking about kelim that you buy or receive that become yours. 
Uchemaseh Shahaya, just like the Maseh Shahaya in the Torah, as we took the Kleilim of the Midianim, they became ours. Aval Shu'ulim, but if you borrow a Kli from a non Jew, you don't need to tovel it. It's only if you have ownership over it. Rav Yitzchak bar Yosef Zavin Mana Demarda, Meove Kochavim, Savar Lahatvila. He bought a kli made of earth. Okay, you're not going to be so pleased with this one, but it was made of earth and dung. Okay, a mixture of earth and dung of animals, and he thought that he needed to tovel it. And here we're going to get to what substances, which type of kli need toveling and which don't. There's a rabbi, his name is Rabbi Yaakov, said to him, I learned from Rabbi Yochanan, it's only only metal implements. Okay? Any other implements, right, like klicheres, okay, doesn't need tovelin. And this marda, made of earth and dung, doesn't need tovelin. Amarav Ashi, Hani Kleschuchit, what about glass, right? There's the classic question people always ask. What about glass? Ho'il v'chinish tabru yeshlem takana kiklematachotamu. They say that since when you break them, you can put them back together, you can weld it back together, it's like klematachot. And therefore, kleschuchit are like klematachot, and you have to tovel them. And there you have it in the Gemara. It says so explicitly that kleschuchit needs a mikvah. Kunya. Um, kunya is if you have um, a lead glazed kli, okay, which was a kli cheres, but it had lead glazing on it. So now what is that? Is it a kli matechet or is it a kli cheres? Because really it's a kli cheres, but it just happens to have matechet on it. So what do you do? What's the halacha? Pligibar of Acha Ravina. Chanamar kitzchilato, the chanamar kisofo, right? The kitzchilato is it was cheres and it doesn't need. And one said kisofo, it has the lead on it, so it needs. The hilchita kisofo, and we paskin that if it has lead on it, we actually need to tovel it. Ibayalahu mashkanta mai. What if you have a mashkon? The goy gives you, okay, we had borrowing, you don't need. Buying, you do need, or getting a gift. What if he gives you something as collateral? It's sort of yours, because you get to use it at that time, right? It's not exactly borrowed, but it's not exactly purchased, because you're supposed to return it. And what's the difference between a mashkanta, a mashkon, and an item you borrowed? Because if he doesn't pay you back the money, then it becomes yours. So, Amar Marbrav, Ashi, Abba mashkenele ove kochavim kasa de kaspa. Marbrav Ashi says, listen, my father took a, an item as collateral, a kasa de kaspa, a silver goblet, and he toveled it and drank from it. And I didn't know. Does he say that a mashkon is like a sale, and that's why he toveled it? Or did he just have a sense, and it was this particular situation, that he had a, a sense that this non-Jew was really never going to give him his money back, and he was just going to end up keeping this coast, and that's why he did it. So he, in the end, we don't have a way to be machriya here from the story, really, which, what was the reason why he did it, and whether or not you would need to tovel something that was a mashkon. Tana Rabbana. Halokeh klei tashmish minavei kochavim. Okay, now we're going to have all the details. Dvarim shalom nishtamesh bahen. If they never use them, matbilan vehem torim. Okay, here's your guide to mikvah, okay, uh, to kashering. If never been used, all it needs is mikvah. Dvarim shen nishtamesh bahem like yidet zonein. If it was only used for cold, kigon kosot, viktoniot, uktzlochiot, midichan umatbilan. So you just rinse them off, and then you put them in the mikvah, vehem torim. Okay, now some people say midichan is more than just 
putting them in water because if that were the case, then the mikvah would be sufficient. So lahadiach must be, you need to really clean it out well. Because if it was just dumping it in water for a minute, right, it would be the same as mikvah. Mikvah would cover both of them for you. So here they say it must mean that it's two things. Um, two shlavim, and the hadacha is a little bit more than just tefillah. Dvarim chamin, if it was used for hot, kigon, with hot water, like hayorot, vakumkumusan, umechame chamin, right, anything you boil water in, right, and, and cook things in, in liquids, like a, like a cholen, chamin, Magilan umatbilan. Okay, so you have to do hagala, right? You basically boil the water in it and then tovel them. Vehem tovim. Tvarim shenishtamesh benayideha, or things that we used with the direct fire, kigon eshibudim baskalaot, like we saw before. Milabnan umatbilan. So you have to do libun and then latbil vehem tovim. What if you use them without toveling, without hagala, without libun? What's the status of the food inside them? Tanechada asur, idach mutar. One says it's asur, one says it's mutar. Lokasha, and actually they don't really disagree. Ha kemanda amar no tentam lifgam asur, ha kemanda amar no tentam lifgam mutar. And in theory, the assumption is if you're getting this plea from an Anjou, it's not a klisha ben yomo, which we said has two different interpretations. Either it, it's, it's, it's sat overnight without being used, and it's already the next day, or 24 hours, which is the way we paskin. So there's a machloket we saw before is no tam lefgam asur mutar. So if you say no tam lefgam is asur, then you're going to say anything cooked in those kelim is going to be asur. But if you say no tam lefgam is mutar, as long as you waited till the next day or 24 hours, then you can already, it's okay if you ate the food without koshering it. Obviously, you have to kosher it. But if you didn't, then the food is actually mutar. And we pass in no tam lefgam mutar. So, ulaman damar no tam lefgam mutar. So then, there's a good question. If no tam lifgam is mutar, then in theory, you shouldn't need to kasher the kelim. So, how could you have a case where they said you had to do hagala? And we talked about this in the past. Um, oh, so, okay. So what do we say here? Right? The Torah, when it said, we saw this before, if you say no ten tam lefgam is mutar, then what we're talking about, all the kelim they took from the Midianim, they wanted to use that day. They were used that day by the non-Jews, and they wanted to use them that day. And all the laws of kashring were for that day. Okay? Which is, you know, a radical way of understanding it. Bikam ve'elach lishterei. So then, according to this, right, it's very radical. It means if you take a kli from an Anjou, from that point on, if it wasn't you, right, after it's ben yomo, it's no longer been used that, it's not a ben yomo anymore. Then it should be mutar to use that kli. So what do they answer? Okay, we basically make a, the rabbis made a gzera and they said, even if it's not ben yomo, we're gonna, we're gonna say, just in case you end up using a gzera that's a ben yomo, we're gonna be machmir and make you kasher it also. Ve'idach, and the other opinion, what does he say? Gzera bat yoma, nami mifkam pagma. Right, a kedera. Um, one second. This is that a kedera about yoma. Um, right, even if it's even if it's past a day. So even if it's already past twenty four hours, he's going to say it's nami mifkam pagma. Right, this is obvious, and therefore you can't use it even after twenty four hours have passed because even though it's pagma, right? We hold no tam lifgam is asur. Okay, and that other opinion holds that way, and therefore we have a machlok at whether. 
Notein tam with gum is a sore, and that's why you have to kosher them even after 24 hours. Or do we say, no, really, the whole issue of kosher is really within the first 24 hours or the first the day they're used. And it was just exera to say, you know, even if it's not, hasn't been used in 24 hours, you still have to kosher it just so that you don't accidentally use their kilim that um, were used that day. Okay. That's it for today. Tomorrow, have a seal.